0: Hey everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Calaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. Who doesn't love the American Dream? I mean, the American Dream is basically the idea that I get to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, with whom I want. And then because we're good people who care, we add this footnote, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, right? The question is, is that really possible and is that even good for us? Let's talk about it on this week's episode of Journey at Home. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. You know, the problem with the American dream, at least I think, is that it's not actually possible. What I mean by that is you can't actually live with the freedom to do what you want, when you want, with whom you want, without hurting somebody. I mean, if you live that way, you eventually hurt you, and you are somebody. You hurt the people closest to you, the people you love the most, and the part of this that we never think about is you hurt the people coming along behind you. Some of you, you've got stories and scars to show, don't you? You can tell because you were on the receiving end of this. You had a spouse, you had a parent, you had a child who pursued that freedom to do what they wanted to do, whenever they wanted to do it, with whom they wanted, and you ended up hurt by it. Some of you tried to live with this freedom yourself. Remember when you became a teenager and you decided, I'm just gonna do what I wanna do. Nobody's gonna tell me what to do. Or you tried this your freshman year of college, and then you tried it again your sophomore year of college, at a different college because you couldn't stay at your first college because, well, you'd hurt somebody and they kicked you out. You know, some of you have tried this at different stages of your life. You've seen people or maybe you've blown up a marriage or experienced a marriage get blown up or a long-term relationship because you decided that being committed in a relationship took away too much of your freedom. Some of you know what it's like to have a midlife crisis and try to regain that freedom. You know, you tried to live like you were 21 again except... You had less hair, you had more weight, and you had enough money to do some real damage this time. But you just wanted the freedom to do what you wanted to do, when you wanted to do it, with whomever you wanted, as long as it didn't hurt anybody. The problem with chasing that dream is that somebody, including your body, well, it eventually does get hurt. The truth is the American dream isn't original with America. When you read the ancient history of the Jewish people, you discover this same pattern with them. This is just part of human nature. For the Jews... Their pursuit of this all unravels on them in a 330-year span between when Joshua leads them to the Promised Land and when Saul becomes their first king. And we've got a record of their history during during these years. It's in a document that we call Judges. As a matter of fact, the last statement of this document, it sums up pretty well the attitude and the mentality during this 330-year period of Jewish history. The writer says, "...in those days there was no king in Israel." everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In other words, everybody just made up their own rules, defined their own truth, did their own thing. But doing what was right in their own eyes individually eventually led to chaos collectively. If you read the end of Judges, it reads a little bit like, I don't know, an M. Night Shyamalan movie meets Freddy Krueger. I mean, it is tragic. It is disturbing. It's a pretty awful story. And we talked about it in the last episode, so I'll let you go back and catch that for yourself. But it's It's just a heartbreaking story in ancient literature. What I want to do today is I want to take you to the very beginning of Judges, the beginning of this 330-year period, because that reads a little bit more like the last night of church camp. Now, if you didn't grow up going to church camp, uh, what I'm about to share may sound a little strange, okay? I get that, but let me explain it to you. The last night of church camp is always emotional. If you ever went, you can remember this. I mean, you can bet your money people are going to cry on the final night of church camp because you've spent all week singing the songs, you know, listening to the teaching. You've been away from all the distractions, all the temptations. So by the last night, you're certain that you're ready to change how you're living your life. Everybody's ready to make some big commitments on this night. You're ready to quit everything pretty much. It's like, I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to quit smoking. I'll quit that bad relationship i quit being sexually active. I'll quit fighting with my parents. I'm going to quit looking at porn. I'm going to quit those friends. I'm just going to quit, quit, quit. That's kind of how it feels on the last night. Well, the start of Judges is kind of like the last night of a church camp. Joshua, who knows he doesn't have much longer on earth, he gathers the 12 tribes of the Jewish people together, and he delivers this final challenge to them to try to get them to straighten up and live right. And here's part of what he says to them. He looks at him. and he says, Now you fear the Lord and you serve him with all faithfulness. And then he tells them this, Throw away those gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, some false gods, and serve the Lord. And he goes on, he says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, well then choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. And then Joshua says, But as for me and my household, well, we're going to serve the Lord. In other words, to summarize, Joshua basically says, if you don't want to serve God, then go do your own thing. But my family and me, we're not that dumb. We're not going to make that mistake. We're serving God. And then the writer records for us that the people look back at Joshua and said, no, 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 far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve these other gods. It was the Lord, our God himself, who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery. It was our God who performed those great signs before our eyes. You know, he protected us on our entire journey. He protected us among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all those nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. So they say, well, we too will serve the Lord. He's our God. In other words, we're all in on this, you know. He delivered us from Egypt, from slavery. He worked all these miracles on our behalf. He's given us his promised land. We are ready to quit all the bad stuff. We're ready to follow God. He's our only king now. It's funny because... When Joshua hears this, he looks back at him and basically says, No, I don't think you can do it. I think you're going to go home from church camp. I think you're going to go right back to doing what you want to do, when you want to do it, with whom you want. I really don't think you're going to keep your commitment. And they respond again. They look back at Joshua and say, No, 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 we will serve the Lord. And then guess what happens? Well, Joshua dies, and the flowers on his tomb have barely had time to wilt before the writer of Judges tells us, then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they served the Baals. I mean, the dirt over Joshua's bones has barely had time to settle, and these Jewish people have already gone right back to living like they did before camp, you know? They're worshiping Baal. And Baal was just the male god of the Canaanites. That was the very people whom God had helped them drive out of the Promised Land. And the writer of Judges says that the Jewish people forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt, and they followed and worshipped the various gods of the people around them. In other words, in spite of everything God had done for them, they decided they'd rather look and live like the people around them. So they had started chasing their gods, copying their behaviors, and they abandoned their Heavenly Father, the Invisible King, the one who had given them their freedom. The writer continues and says... Because of this, they aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook Him, and they served Baal and the Asterisks. Now, Asterisk, that was basically the female version of Baal, okay? And one of the reasons worshipping Baal and Asterisks, these gods, one of the reasons it was such a big deal, is because of what it meant. See, when things got bad for the Canaanites, they would actually sacrifice people to Baal. If it was really bad, they would sacrifice children to Baal. In fact, I read that in one period of history when things looked incredibly bleak for the Canaanites, they required the richest people in their kingdom to sacrifice their firstborn children because they thought it would get the attention of Baal. So God is going to the Jewish people. You can't be a part of that. I'm not, I'm not going to let you do what you want, when you want, with whom you want. You're just not going to engage in that kind of behavior. And So the writer tells us in his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. And whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them, just as he had promised. And the Jewish people were in great distress. Basically, God said to these Jewish people, Okay, if you want to like the Canaanites, I'm going to let you be conquered and ruled by them. You want to be like them? You're going to live under them. You don't want me as king? I'm going to let you live under a Canaanite king. And the point of this entire story, this is what I don't want you to miss. The point is this. When you choose to be your own king, you'll end up eventually with a king not of your liking. This is what happens to all of us. When we pursue the freedom to do what we want, when we want, with whom we want, just because we don't want to live under the authority of our good heavenly father, our good heavenly king, well, we end up surrendering ourselves to an ungodly king. The problem is we never see it coming until it's too late. But think about it. In the process of chasing freedom, what happens? We end up losing our freedom. We we realize we can't stop doing what we now want to stop doing. We trade a good king for a bad king, a kind master for a harsh master. Listen, this may be hard to accept, but you were created by a creator, which means you weren't created to be your own king. Your creator is your king. You are created to be led by and ruled by him. But when you reject your rightful good king, well, you're actually not in charge. You find yourself ruled by a lesser, worse king. And there's no such thing as total and complete autonomy that you've got. I mean, we're all controlled by something. We're all driven by something. Some of us were ruled by an appetite that looked like freedom when we chased it. Problem is now we can't stop. Trade a good king for a cruel master. Some of you trade a good king for insecurity. Or you trade a good king for lust. You trade a good king for jealousy or anger or greed or fear or comparison. And it's hurting you. It's hurting everybody around you. It's hurting everybody who's going to come behind you. So you've got a good king, your heavenly father, who wants to lead you, but you're rejecting him for a king that's actually controlling you and eventually destroying you in what you value most. Our substitute kings, you know, all this stuff we chase when we think it feels like freedom, these substitute kings are going to tempt you to say, I won't, you know, I won't be faithful. I won't stay committed. I'm not going to be pure. I won't be honest. I won't live on a budget. I won't, I won't, I won't, because I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. But what the substitute kings never tell you is that I won't eventually turns into I can't. I can't stop looking. I can't stop spending. I can't stop cheating. I can't stop lying. And eventually, A lot of us know this from experience. We get to a point where we want to go back to when we had a clear conscience. We want to go back to when people could trust us. We want to go back to when we had peace. We want change, but we can't because little kings always lie to us. They never have our best interest at heart. Here's another way to think about this. Why do you think it is? Why is it always easier to say no to God than it is to say no to the things that we substitute for God? Why is it easier to say no to God than it is to say no to the thing that you eventually realize you need and want to stop doing? I'll tell you. Because substitute kings aren't merciful. They don't love you. They never want what's best for you. Their goal is actually to take your freedom because they don't care about you. They just want to control you. But your heavenly father is a good merciful king who loves you so much he gave his life for you. So he's not going to force you to come back to him because he's not interested in controlling you. I mean, think about it. He could if he wanted to. That's not his goal. He wants to love you and he wants you to love him. So he lets you choose. And he knows when you choose to live under his authority. That's when you find the freedom you were created to enjoy. So listen, here's the good news. If you find yourself controlled by something right now you wish didn't control you, if you're controlled by a substitute king, if you're chasing some little king, you get to come back to your good loving king because he's not interested in paying you back, he's interested in loving and winning you back. His grace and his mercy, all they're way bigger than your rebellion. So he'll welcome you with open arms and that's what I wanna invite all of you who are chasing little kings to do today. Would you just come back to your good king? Would you stop trying to be your own king? There's nothing better, in my opinion, than seeing someone come back home to their Heavenly Father. But, I want to point out this. If you choose to chase little kings in your life, you're wasting years that you'll never get back. You can come back to God anytime. That's amazing. But you can't get your 20s back, your 30s, your 40s back. You can't reparent your children, or you can't redo your marriage. You can't undo what you did in college. When those seasons are gone, I mean, they're gone. So don't waste them serving little kings who don't care about you or your future. The bottom line is when we set ourselves up to do what we want, when we want, with whom we want, we actually aren't gaining freedom. We're losing freedom. We're just trading one king for another. And I promise you this. You choose to be your own king, you'll end up with a king not of your liking. So don't chase a little king when you have a good king who died and rose again to give you the freedom that you have wanted all along. Let me pray for us. Father, for those of us who've chosen to chase things that we thought were going to bring us freedom, and now we're realizing that they haven't, that they're controlling us, that they're destroying us, that they're creating consequences, and we don't know how to get out of it. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy. I pray that those of us who are in that situation would just come back to you today because you're waiting for us with arms wide open. So help us to run back towards you and experience your grace. And for those of us who are on the verge of being tempted, help us to see through the temptation and to choose our good, loving, heavenly kingdom over any substitute kings in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Calway app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.